Hey, good morning, True North. Come on, let's clap. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Are you doing all right today? Well, hey, we're going to finish out our series out of the wilderness today, and it's exciting for me, and because this this content, the content we're going to go through today, the scripture we're going to go through today, um, it's helped me a ton in life. It's helped me navigate through difficult seasons. It's helped me to to honor God when people around me are not honoring God. And I really believe it's going to bless you today. But um, I want to, before I go any further, I want to welcome you. If you're here for the first time, we're, we're really glad that you're with us today. And we don't take that for granted, people being with us for the first time. And we know every single week we have people that are here for the first time, whether here present in our, at our campus or joining us online. Um, and in addition to that, our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Can we show everyone some love? One more time, who's here for the first time? Well, the wilderness conversation has been going on for almost, well, this will be six weeks. And one thing we know from the wilderness is that it can draw out of us the worst that's within us. And we watch the Israelites go through seasons where they have no water, they have no food, they've experienced calamity and trial and disappointment and the threat of death and um, there was dysfunction and complaining and comparison and, and rebellion to God and to Moses and Aaron. And I mean, you could, you could begin to name through all the things. And man, there was a lot that was going on, a lot of emotion. And when you go through all of it and you read it, when you know at the end of it and when you read through all the difficulty, to know that all of it could have been avoided if they would have just listened to God and trusted in God. If they would have just done what Joshua, Joshua and Caleb had told them to do. <laughs> One of the things I want to focus on and highlight today is how to, how to keep our hearts and our minds in the right place when we're surrounded by the wrong people. And if, if you, if, let me just put this into, in, into kind of paint a picture of this. Joshua and Caleb showed the people of God the way to walk and they chose to walk the other way. And I believe that they knew that the people of God would deal with and experience difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. And they knew that it was, they were going to be, they, they themselves were going to be surrounded with opportunities to complain just like everyone else. But for 40 years, they, they were surrounded by people who complained, were negative, constantly, you know, whining, and, and nothing was good enough, but yet they seemed to keep their eyes fixed and focused upon God. And so today, what I want us to do as a family in finishing this out is what can we glean? What are the things that we can glean from the life of Joshua and Caleb, or that spirit that's within the two of them, primarily looking at Joshua? What can we learn from him so that we can actually finish well. Even when we're surrounded by people that are negative, they, they can't see anything good. They're constantly questioning the faithfulness of God. Is God going to show up? I don't think so. Start pointing at other people and blaming other people. But how did they stay passionate about the things of God? How did they honor God in those seasons? The people of God at the end of Numbers would set up camp on the outside of the Jordan River and right across from the Promised Land. It's interesting because the events that would unfold for them to walk into the promised land were quite significant. I always am reminded of when God takes them from the wilderness into the promised land, we have the propensity to think that it's just going to be easy, easy sailing. Hit the cruise control button, put your feet up and just, and just lay back. And the truth is, it's, it's the same obstacles, it's the same, op it's the same op obstacles, 
but you have to be willing to, to lean in and trust God. And I think Proverbs 3, 5 is more exemplified in the exiting of the wilderness and the entering of the promised land than ever before in Scripture. Because that is the moment when you can convince yourself with, with unrealistic expectations that everything's going to be easy, but it's, it's, it's going to be the same challenges, but, but you should have a new mindset and a new heart saying, no, I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust in the Lord in all my ways. And so when you step into a new season, you'll be, you'll be offered the opportunity to continue to trust in yourself. And yet God stands there waiting for you to place your hope and your trust in him. The people of Israel camped outside of the Jordan. They're, they're there and, and they're waiting to cross over. And this is an interesting season because it's a transitional season of leadership. In Numbers chapter 27, this is what the scripture tells us. Moses is 120 years old. How many know he's run a good race? <laughs> he, he's done well. Moses is going well. He's, 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 he's taking care of his body. He's, he's you know, eating everything he should be eating, and he's, he's, he's doing well. You know, 120 years. I think that's pretty good. And, but the time's come where he's soon going to, to die and go to be with the Lord. And we know through Scripture that Aaron has died. Moses also has been told by God that he will not enter the promised land because of the things that he's done. And, and we see that the time of succession is, is present. And I want, I want to read Numbers 27 to you because I want you to understand the context of talking about Joshua. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. Listen now. He says, After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people. He's speaking to Moses. As your brother Aaron was, for when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and have the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. God chose Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He's a man who loved God, honored God, both in the wilderness and he would continue in the promised land. One of the things that I shared with you before we even got into this, that I'm just, I want to know how people can day in and day out honor God, be faithful to God, steadfast to God, unwavering to God when everything around them is telling them to do something different. And you know, the truth is that you and I live in that same environment today. And we live in an environment that is constantly Testing your convictions. It's constantly pushing back on the things that you believe. And I want you to know as a, as a church, we, we have been fielding a lot of different calls over the course of the last two years. From the beginning even to this moment now. And, and a lot of things have changed. How many of you have said to yourself over, the, over this last, like maybe even two years, certain things that appear to might happen or, or maybe in the future will happen. You find yourself saying, that'll never happen. 
Those just never happen. Have you said that to yourself? That'll never happen. Church will never be shut down. Um, Certain things will never be forced upon people, forced mass mandates, forced vaccinations, forced this losing, people losing their job. That will never, will you stop saying that? That will never happen. And then you fast forward the clock and then all of a sudden you're there. And I want you to know that I believe that the temptation is, is twofold. I believe the temptation is not only to complain to God, but it's to deviate in your attention of, of the fight that you're in, that it's a spiritual war. It doesn't mean that we become absent in the world that we're in, that we should still champion the things of God in the world that we're in. We should still be the light in the darkness. I don't believe that Christians should be absent from the things of God represented in the community and at school board meetings, and at local city council meetings. But I want us to be mindful of the fact that God did not send his son from heaven to earth to to reconstruct and rebuild a, a government here on earth. His transformation is a spiritual one that's from within. But even in conveying that to the people of God, I still believe that we have a right to bring heaven to earth in every sphere of the community that we live in. And I think it's very important for us to do that. So what does that mean for us? It means that we can't just lay, lay back and put our feet up and say, well, we feel good in this home that we got. We're, we're okay with where we are. We need to continue to advance the agenda of heaven here on earth. And one of the fascinating things that, that, that I continue to witness is, is it's fascinating to me because we see this, this constant thing from a child, I, I understand one of the greatest things in America is the liberty and freedom that we have. But do you really understand liberty and freedom until it's actually taken from you? Sometimes we don't fully comprehend what we have until we no longer have it. And some of us need to recognize that, you know, I remember early on when COVID began, certain pastors would say to me, oh, don't worry about it. That, that will never happen. And then fast forward, certain things have transpired. And I'm not one to just say, oh, this is going to happen. I don't live in denial, but nor do I live in fear of it. I want to advocate and walk by faith for the things of God, represent the things of God, and not walk around and continue to complain about the things that I don't feel that I, in, I, I can impact. I know that each one of us who, have the, who has the same spirit, the power that raised Christ from the grave, dwells within us, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. When we walk into an environment, I believe that we can change it. I believe that we can represent Christ well. I don't believe that we need to just sit back. I think one of the greatest... One of the greatest challenges is to understand how your prayer life coincides with your, your walking life. And for many of us, it's either one or the other. I'm just going to pray. Well, I'll just say what, we could have prayed every Sunday, but it took about 50 hands to set up church for over 12 years. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of work that, come, that coincides with prayer. The prayer of a righteous, as it says to James, is powerful and effective when we know that. But we also know that, and one of the powerful demonstrations of this is when God said to Joshua, the first task, cross the Jordan. And it just so happens that when he commanded on the cross of Jordan, it wasn't in low tide, it was in high tide flood season. And so what does he say? He says, let the priests go first. Let them carry the Ark of the Covenant. Let them go first. And I, this is what I love about God. He does not cause the water to stop until they move. It, that's our God. He, he's not like, all right. I see you got like five steps from the river. I'll stop it now. That's enough. I don't want you to get your feet wet. You know. No, it says when they stepped in. And there's something about that step. Some of you, you've refused to, you've refused to even take a small step 
of faith in joining a crew, in serving, in trusting God, in giving to God, and all of those things. And I know that there's coming a time when, when, when God just puts before you, do you trust me? Do you trust me in it? I want you to know that the core values that we carry as a church are not just things that we've cherry-picked from Scripture and said, oh, this is cool. This will, this will mark it amongst people today. This is good. And No, it's what the Scripture teaches about fellowship amongst the believer, to do life with one another, to give and to honor God, to serve one another. These are principles found in Scripture that I know left to ourselves we walk in the opposite direction of. But when we submit ourselves to God, and we submit ourselves to his ways, all of a sudden we begin to walk in his strength and into his truth. What a season we live in. What, what a God opportunity for every one of us. I want us to change the way that we see what's before us. I think a few things to share with you today about the life of Joshua. The first thing is that Joshua constantly desired to be in the presence of God. Have any, any of you been in this season and you're like, man, I just need, I just need to hear some worship music. Like, I just need to, need to silence all the news around me. I need to silence all the radio hosts. I need to silence all the podcasts, the commentators, everybody. And I just need to, to, to hear some worship. I don't know about you, but I love to begin my mornings with just worship. I just love to begin my mornings with worship. Why? Because I, I, want, I want my soul to be filled with the, with the goodness of God. I want, I want praises to be the first thing that I hear because I, I find myself constantly leaning this, these temptations. Like the Apostle Paul says, the things I desire to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. And so it's like, well, how do I walk? How do I live in that, in that constant? It's, it's, to, it's to lean into the things of God to know that, man, man, I don't feel like turning. And then the moment I put on worship, and I love it, I learn about my nature. I learn about my, my propensities to say I, I should turn on the, the worship music. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I want to do that. And then the moment I'm done worshiping, I'm like, yes, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> and even if it's for a moment, but then Joshua was the same. Joshua was the same. He, he learned so much from, from, from Moses. And in Exodus chapter 33, it says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp, but his young aide Joshua did not leave the tent. Joshua had a passion to be in the presence of God. He had this zeal that, that wouldn't, wouldn't keep him from the house of God. It was, it was priority to, to be in the presence of God. And I want to tell you something. If, if you feel like you're in a difficult season, in a frustrated season, it's, it's not going to be in your arsenal of, of weapons that you're used to fighting with to say, I'm going to turn on worship music. It's not. It's not in our nature. It's in like, I'm going to call so-and-so. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that. It's all about what you can do. And sometimes it's better to just say, God, I know I can't do it. I need to be in your presence to recognize that you're going to do it through me. And actually beginning each day in the presence of God. James 5, 13. A verse I heard this morning in my time with the Lord is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praises. You know what it's saying? Doesn't matter the state of emotion you're in. Doesn't matter the, the way that you walked into the house of the Lord. God, God's a big boy. He can hear your pain. But he wants to hear your pain, but he wants to hear your praises. And you know, the truth is in, in both of those seasons, um, you can have a responsiveness to be away from God. 
Well, one of the things that's, and I don't, I don't look at humanity and even people in our church as being different in this way because I know for many years this was my response. If you go through a difficult season, you, you find yourself wanting to isolate yourself. And so you're like, oh, it's difficult. I'm just, I just, and I love the, the way Christian people say this. It's like, we don't say it like, you know, non-Christians would. We're just like, you know, the non-Christian would be like, I just don't want to be around people, you know. People annoy me and I just want to be left alone, you know. But we wouldn't say that Christians were like, I just need time with the Lord. I just need time with the Lord. And so we'll just like, you know, and you're like, well, hey, you're not in church. Yeah, I know, I just need time alone with God. I just need time alone with God. You're like, oh, Okay. Like we have it covered. We've covered our bases to have the appearance of God, but denying his word and walking in opposition to it. It's like, I want you to know something that most of what God instructs you to do is going to run contrary to the way that you feel initially. And there's a refining process in that. There is a growing, a stretching process, a maturing process in that. And not only in seasons of difficulty do we try to isolate ourselves that in, in, it says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praises. Do you know how many times people um, in their difficult seasons come into the church broken and then the moment they feel good, they, they just, thanks God. You know, don't find them. They're gone. Why? Because they're all good. Just come back when, when things fall apart. They come back, they feel as if they got it together and they say, thanks God. Deuce, I'm out. You know, and then when things get, when things fall, when the wheels fall off again, then they come back. And James is saying, hey, why don't you call on God when things aren't good? And when things are good, why don't you stay with God and give him praise for what he did to you? So in all seasons, don't run from God. Don't depart from God in broken seasons. Don't depart from God in, in good seasons. Stay in the presence of God. It's a foundational principle. It's a foundational principle to be in the presence of God. It'll help you walk in difficult seasons. I don't think you can walk through the seasons that we're experiencing as a society and, and walk through it unscathed unless you spend time in the presence of God. Second thing is this, Joshua and Caleb carried a good report. Or you could just say a God report. They carried a God report with them. I know some of you, I, I talk to many of you, and whether in the lobby or throughout the week, and and I know some of you have your ear inclined to certain um, news stations or podcasts or websites. And, and everyone's trying to figure out the next season. Everyone's trying to unpack what is the future going to hold and what is it going to look like. And, and I, don't, I don't demean that. I don't think that's strange. I don't think that's uncommon to, the, to, to want to bring clarity to the future. But the truth is, regardless of what you may think the future looks like, we are called to walk by faith. We're called to walk by faith. And that is not a secondary command to you figuring things out in the future. It is the primary one to walk by faith and to trust in God. Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 31. God works in all things, Scripture teaches us. It says, what, what then shall we respond in all, to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's for us, who can be against us? They saw giants living in the land. Joshua and Caleb, Caleb, the same giants that everyone else saw, they saw them. But this is, this is what I want you to know. When you spend time in the presence of God, God is not, God's not tiny. He's not incapable. He's not small. He's not weak. He's not timid. He's all-powerful. 
He's, he's, he's magnificent. He's holy. He's pure. He's strong. And I just, how powerful is your God? Like, I just need to know, like, how, how powerful is your God? How, how, how able is your God? How strong is your God? And I ask you that, not in arrogance or, or in a sense of condemnation. I ask you that because in knowing that answer, you will see any obstacle or giant before you completely different. Completely different. You, you, you may, and this is what I'm saying. Many people say when, when you really trust God, people say, oh, I think they're delusional. I think they're delusional. They don't, they, they're living in a fairy tale world, you know. What do, you, what do you say about Jesus? <laughs> when, when, when Nicodemus says, him, what are you going to do? Are we going to take over Rome? Are you going to establish a new kingdom? And he says, no, I'm not coming to do any of that. They're probably thinking like, well, what are you, what are you talking about? You're, you're not thinking right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the same way when Jesus shared his plan with Peter. Do you remember that? He says, this is what I must do. And then Peter says to him, that's, that's, he kind of did it like friends talk to friends. He's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And like, oh, this got serious real fast. And you know what he says to him? This is what he says to him. Because he wants him to, to understand why he said that. You do not have in mind the things of the Father, but the things of men. And if we are to be followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be very careful that we have in mind the things of the Father and not things of men. And this world is going to tempt you to place your hope and your trust in the things of men. But we should constantly come back to the place and say, I did not get this far in my own strength or by the strength of others. I got this far by the Spirit of God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to lean not on my own understanding, but trust in Him in all my ways and focus on the Lord. I love the fact, I love this about Joshua and Caleb. The negativity of the people around them was in majority. But their God was so big. Their God was so big, they spent time in the presence of God. Numbers 13.30 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. I would have loved to know what Caleb said to get everyone to shut up. But he got everyone to shut up. And he says, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I don't know what obstacle is before you, but stop speaking to it based upon what you can comprehend and what you understand. Know that you serve a God that's bigger than words can describe, more powerful than words can, can present. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with our God. Be confident in that and know that. And any challenge you may be facing with your job, with your health, with your family, know that nothing is impossible with God. Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verse 23. The opposite of bringing a good report. To walk by faith and to trust in God. It says, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. No one has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant, Caleb, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. I want you to know something. The battles you choose to fight today will either be a battle that your, the generations after us can stand on or will be one that they have to fight because we neglected to fight it. I don't want to leave any spiritual fights for my children. I want to fight them. 
I don't want to pass any brokenness on. I want to pass blessing on. And the only way that I can do that is if I trust in God and I lean into God. I cannot do that in my own strength. I could work my whole life to leave uh, an inheritance of wealth to a generation behind. I could work my whole life to do all these things for God. But, but that's why Scripture teaches us, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it with the strength of Jesus. Come on, can you say amen to that this morning? <laughs> Joshua, and Joshua was a man of loyalty to Moses. But I think his loyalty to Moses was ultimately an expression of his loyalty to God. He knew that God had placed his hand upon Moses, and so therefore Joshua was loyal to Moses. And when Aaron and Miriam, his brother, very brother, Moses' his brother, would stand against and oppose him, Joshua was there to submit to his leadership and stand by his side. He was a man of loyalty. He watched Moses in his good seasons and his bad seasons. And one of the things I love about Joshua, and I pray all the time that God would give me wisdom and understanding in leading because it's so easy to place your confidence in yourself, to think that you can figure it out on your own, and this is too, this is too menial for, to bring to God, but nothing's too menial to bring to God. God wants everything that we deal with to be brought before Him. <laughs> he watched Moses be disobedient to God and striking the rock out of anger. He watched him speak out of foolish pride and taking credit for something. He watched Moses commit mistakes, and rather than grow in arrogance and pride himself, he humbled himself, and he remained teachable before God. And I believe in seasons like this, all of us will make mistakes. We'll say things we shouldn't say. Our focus will become higher priority on other things, and we'll depart from the things of God, and we may get consumed by societal pressures and say things and do things that we shouldn't do. But can I, can I encourage you with something? God is faithful to forgive those who call upon His name. And remain teachable, church. Remain teachable. Allow the Word of God to refine you. Allow people who love you to, in the crew that you belong to, allow people to come and stand, stand beside you and stretch you and encourage you in the ways of God. It's how we finish well. Before Joshua walks into the land that God's promised him, there's one final thing I believe that the Lord tested him with. Or maybe not tested him, but maybe just brought to light. And Joshua had this. He had a greater fear of the Lord than he had of man. And I believe all of us as followers in Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that our fear is of the Lord in this sense of reverence and awe that we will not ever allow society to put us in a place where we have a greater fear of man than we do of God. <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? Joshua is called into the promised land. And this is the words of heaven to Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let that be a word to some of you today. Let that be a word from heaven for some of you today. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. 
by the threats of your, of your, of your boss or of society or whatever comes your way. Do not fear and don't be discouraged for God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people or the officials or officers of the people go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, we will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Something I find so fascinating about this is that when they cross into the promised land, 40 years, Joshua has already been there and Caleb once, and they're the only two permitted to go back. And guess what? 40 years later, they show up. Guess what? The same giants are there. It's like, oh, is this still the promise? It is. The promise is there. But just like so many things, if walking with Jesus, it's walking by faith and trusting that which God declared shall come to pass. And I believe it. I may not know the timing of it and I may not know how it looks or how it's going to manifest itself, but I believe it and I'm going to walk according to it. (laughs) The same giants are there. But this time, it's not just two that believe they can conquer the giants. It's a nation walking by faith and confidence, not placing hope and trust in themselves, but in Christ and in Christ alone. They walk across and have victory after victory after victory. <laughs> and I suppose one of, the in, one of the things that should be mentioned is that when they came across the first city, Jericho, their first primary adversary, God instructs Joshua to do something that he has never instructed him to do before in battle. He changes the, the plan. It's almost as if God's trying to say, hey, Joshua, I want you to lead well, but I want you to trust me even when things seem unorthodox and it's something you've never done before. Joshua, I know you're a fighter and you love to fight, but for six days straight, I'm going to ask you to walk around that city and not say a word. Let the Ark of the Covenant precede the men. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times and not say a word. And then on the final time, I want you to blow the trumpets and shout. Now, some of you, God's going to give you a victory in the seasons you're in, but you need to trust him. Some of you might laugh if God tells you certain things that just seem unorthodox. Remember the story of Jericho. Remember what God told Joshua to do. Remember what he instructed men, fighting men to do, to walk silently around their adversary and to know that that battle belongs to God. And do the same in your life. Trust whatever adversary that stands before you that the battle belongs to God. Amen. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you that every adversary that is before us, you've defeated. I thank you that we can trust in you with all of our heart. Father, I thank you that your scripture teaches us that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son, that whosoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that, that when you come into this world, you don't come to condemn it. You've come to save it, to save the world. 
And so, Father, if there are those present today who have never surrendered their life to you or watching online, I pray that in this moment, right now, they choose you and say yes to you. <laughs> the Bible clearly teaches that humanity has a problem, and it's the sin in our life, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible teaches that there is wages to the sin. Wages to the sin. That wage is death. That's why we always say that Christ is a way maker. That he made a way. Because the only way for us to stand in the presence of a holy and a perfect God is to pay for our sins. But we can't do that because we would have to give our life. But Christ exchanged places with us. It's a divine exchange. He took your place on the cross so that you could take his place in eternity. <laughs> the scripture teaches us that we receive salvation by grace through faith. That it's not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. You know what that means? You can't purchase it. You can't earn it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. Romans teaches us that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. It's one of the most powerful decisions in your life. I hear this question circulating a lot now today. Is Jesus the only way to, the, to, to heaven? Is Jesus the only way to heaven? It's, it's as if they place you in this box and the only way to get out of it is to offend somebody. The only offense in that question is the arrogance it places towards God. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot work towards salvation. We can't obtain salvation. The only way that humanity can be saved is by placing their hope and their faith in Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the door. I am the way. <laughs> if you're here today and ready to receive salvation in Jesus, I want you to know that it comes through believing in him, placing your hope and your faith in him, and by confessing Jesus is Lord. So what we're going to do is say a prayer right now. It's a simple one, but a significant one. And I'm going to ask everyone here to repeat this prayer after me. Come on, church. Let's lead people to Jesus. Repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I am now a Christian Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for everybody that said that prayer. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet. Hey, I want to thank some of you for being so generous in, in, in helping and stepping up above and beyond what you already give to help those families that are in need. And, and man, that means the world, not only to me and our team, but I want you to know that that, I don't even think I can articulate it, to be honest what that means to people who have no clue about our church, but they see people there the day after it happens, serving them, helping them. It's a powerful demonstration of the love of Jesus. So I want to thank you to those that helped and those who are giving and continue to give. And if you're here today and you said yes to Jesus, joining us online, make sure you let us know. We'd love to get this resource in your hand. It's a New Testament Bible. There's material in here to help you figure out what your next step is to be part of the family here at True North Church. Or as you exit, you're going to see people in the back. They're going to be waving these Bibles. Um, that's so you can see them and identify them so that you can go up and say, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus, you're watching online, make sure you let our team know. Let the pastor 
pastors know that are online chatting with you, and we'll do everything we can to get you a resource. Is that good? Come on, stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you that you meet us right where we are. I thank you that you don't play hide and seek, that you don't hide from us, that you are our fortress and our strong tower. Father, I pray right now we lift up again as, as a church family everyone who's in need. Father, we, we thank you that you've positioned us to be a blessing to other people. And Father, I thank you for the generosity of this house that we continue to represent you well. And God, help us in doing that. Help us to be wise and help us to help people in the best way that we can in their time of need. Father, I pray right now for everyone that's dealing with the opposition that's coming through forced mandates through governments or jobs. Father, I thank you, God, that though it seems like there's no way out, God, I thank you that you always provide a way that we don't have to grow weary in doing good. Father, that you, will, that you will open doors that no man can shut. And Father, even if doors do shut, you will open ones that we've never seen. And we thank you for that. Father, I pray strength, kindness, patience. Father, I thank you that you've called us to walk by faith. So Father, as we exit today, may we be encouraged by your word. May we be strengthened by your word. In your precious and holy name we pray, a faithful church said. Amen. Amen. God bless, guys.